Welcome to the Business of Being You podcast, a podcast about authenticity and entrepreneurship. In other words, creating a business centered around the unique qualities that make you, you. My name is Marco Benitez, also known as Coach Marco B, and I'm an entrepreneurial coach. I help people to create businesses centered around one or more of three areas, the desire to pursue a passion, the need to be true to themselves, or to share a talent or gift with others. In this podcast, you'll hear conversations with people who have done just that. And while their businesses, background, and experiences are all different, the common thread that they all share is that they became clear on who they are and how it could serve. They believed in themselves. They took a chance on their dreams. They shared it with others. And now they have a business that generates income doing what comes naturally to them. This is podcast episode three. Today, I'm having a conversation with Sharon Tan. Sharon is a craniosacral therapist from Singapore. She shares with us her story on how she went from being a people pleaser, living life without purpose, and feeling stuck in an unfulfilling career, to being clear on her best qualities, core values, and creating her own alternative medicine practice. She shares with us how she overcame challenges like child abuse, dealing with internal conflicts about cultural norms, and sharing her skills as a craniosacral therapist in a place that hasn't fully accepted alternative medicine. Today's episode is for the person who wants to stop living their life based on the expectations of others, even if those other people are family. For the person who wants to start living life on their own terms. For the person who wants to leave an unfulfilling career, even though they dedicated a lot of time and education to achieving it. Or for the person who feels that they can help or heal by way of alternative medicine. So let's get right into today's episode and hear my conversation with Sharon Tan. So today I'm very excited. I'm having a conversation with Sharon Tan. Sharon and I got in contact via my website and she shared a little bit of her story. It's quite amazing. It's a story of overcoming personal struggles, of feeling uh, limited, confined, and even oppressed at times. Uh, but I'm sure she's going to do a much better job elaborating. Um, it's not an all sad story. It's a story of accomplishment and triumph. And she's going to share with us all of the details um, in this podcast. So, Sharon, thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing today? Hi, Marco. Thank you for having me. I'm great today. Very good. It's late here, though. <laughs> so, when we spoke briefly the the other day, um, you mentioned that you and you're you're practicing something called craniosacral therapy. And me having a background in medicine. I had never heard of that, so that intrigued me. But you started to go into a little bit of your story. As a child, you did not grow up saying, I want to be a craniosacral therapist. This is something that developed throughout mm -hmm. the years. And you shared with me that you had a very challenging time growing up. Uh, when we talked before, we talked about how there is oftentimes an old self and then a new self. And that was the mm -hmm. part of the story that really intrigued me because um, you mentioned that it was a very difficult upbringing and who you were then is completely different to who you are now. How did things start off? Where, where did all this begin? If I were to go back to childhood, then I was raised in a pretty conventional 
traditional Chinese household here in Singapore. And, um, and it was like, I mean, while we are not like back in the 70s or the 60s where girls are not allowed to go to school, um, it was still pretty much like, you know, girls should be nice. We shouldn't um, voice out our opinions. We should be quiet and obedient. So I was pretty much um, like that. And I was following the path that my parents set up for me. And so I just, you know, went through uh, primary school, secondary schools without much like challenging the system. I was pretty much a, an above average student. I never had any troubles in school, not behavior wise, not like academic wise. Um, so it was kind of like cruising along until say university when I, I, I actually it was, it was in junior college around 17, 18 years old when I actually had my first bout of depression. Mm. And so it was like, I always call it um, an identity crisis. Mm. Like there were moments where I, I wondered, mm, what am I doing here? Why am I doing this? Right. Why am I going through these um, very intense causes? And uh, what, who am I doing this for? Yeah. And the, eventually the when I went into um, <laughs> university, I was... I was enrolled in engineering, actually, mechanical engineering at a local university. Hmm. And again, you know, these questions keep coming back. Why am I doing this? Who am I doing this for? Um, because actually, as a child, I have always wanted to be a doctor. Like, I, uh, I kept trying to go for biology classes. Right. I try very hard to study like bio and chemistry, but they were kind of, it, it was difficult for me. It was difficult. And so eventually when I couldn't make it to um, the School of Medicine, right. in fact, I did so badly for my A-levels that I just, you know, just went into, I think we were given, given like 12 choices and I went into the last one mm. <laughs> that I chose, wow. which was engineering. Wow. So um, there were a lot of struggles back then, I would say like, just, just, I guess the whole climate of being learning to people please, learning to first please my parents and then um, friends around me, authority figures in school that I just didn't know that I have a voice that I can actually um, say to anyone like, hey, this is what I want and this is right. where I am now is not enough for me. So I just graduated with the engineering degree, which thank God, like I did okay enough to pass. And um, yeah, but I was very, very unhappy. Even all, all the way till like my 20s, mid-20s, I was very, very unhappy. And I didn't know why. Right. That's the challenging part, right? When you know that something's not right, something is not a good fit. Yeah. But you can't pinpoint what it is. You know, and I think that adds to the frustration. I know I went through that myself um, in a similar fashion, spending a lot of time um, and money in, in investing into my education and into medicine. And when I started working, it's like, okay, something does not feel right. And then how do I reconcile the time that I sacrificed, the effort that I put in, the money that I spent? And it's not rational. It doesn't look, why don't I feel fulfilled? Why do I feel like I'm off the rails? You know? 
Mm, yeah. You mentioned the big question uh, that a lot of us go through, which is, who am I doing this for? Did you ever find an answer to that question? Well, I was hoping that, or, or rather I was very used to people telling me what to do. So I kept asking these questions and I kept waiting for someone to tell me the answer. Mm. And it was until I was three years into my engineering job. So I graduated. I worked in an right. oil and gas company for three years. And three years in, again, you know, the identity crisis hit again. And, and, right. and this time around, I realized that, um, no, I don't want to wait for people to give me answers anymore. I just, who, who, am, I, uh, who am I doing this for? It's for me. You know? I am the one who need to do this for myself. Right. I cannot wait for people to tell me anymore. I'm like, I was, I think, 23, no, 25 at that time. And I thought, oh, time is running out. No, no more wasting mm, time. Yeah. So I, so I just left the job. Wow. That was how, a scary period. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. How was, that, um, how was that moment when you left the job? You know, was it an abrupt decision? Uh, were you a planner? Did you have to plan it out? Or if it was just like take off the ID and throw it on the boss's desk and tell him pick a finger and then you leave, you know? It was, um, it was April's Fool 2011. <laughs> Such an easy date to remember. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I remember I went into the office, I sat down on that swivel chair and I like actually took a turn around that chair and then I, and then I hear this very loud voice in my head like, Sharon, what are you waiting for? Today mm. is the day. It was so loud. I cannot ignore it. Wow. So I, I went into the documents, you know, in the computer. And I realized there's actually a resignation letter written like one year ago. <laughs> and so, but I was still... Wait, it was your hesitated. resignation letter that you had written before? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah, it's already there. Wow. And I forgot about it, yeah. So it was a very... I don't know, would you say it's planned? I guess it was already planted, like that right. idea. It's just, I haven't taken any action. And, and that was the day that I took action. I just went into the room, gave my, gave my boss that letter. And I left the room. I went in really, really scared. And I left the room like, like yeah. I just yeah. dropped everything. And yeah. I just felt so relaxed. I yeah. didn't even think about how I have, I had no backup plans. I had no extra savings in my bank right it was just i was just so deep in that that sense of relaxation wow. and i knew right then that it was the right decision for me no matter what is ahead that was wow. the that was what i had to do for myself wow now let me ask you a question because you said something interesting you said there was a very loud voice that you heard in your head that you couldn't ignore and it may sound like a weird question but uh-huh was the voice your own or was it another voice? I felt it was another voice. Yeah. 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 I'll tell you why I asked because in one of the, the audio books or, or one of the speeches that I heard of uh, from Dr. Wayne Dyer, I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but mm -hmm. in one of his things, he, he said something. It, it just stuck with me. He says, in meditation, when you're in silence, you will hear that voice speaking to you. He says, and if you really pay attention, you're going to realize that that voice that you hear is not your own voice. 
see our thoughts are our own voice you know like uh, i gotta pick up eggs mm -hmm. and uh you know i gotta go you know uh do this and that but in these deeper moments it's true when he mentioned that i started to pay attention it's a different voice it's not my voice you know i don't know mm -hmm. whose voice it is it's, it's a genderless voice but it's just it, it wasn't mine so i was just curious when you mentioned that you heard this loud voice um <laughs> So, so you, you walk out of the office on April Fool's, your boss thinks you're joking because it's April <laughs> Fool's, right? <laughs> and then you have no plan. No. At that point, had you reconciled or had you figured out who you were doing all this work for or what you were supposed to do or you still were not clear at that point? So I realized that before that point, everything was done for my parents. Mm. Like, because I want to make them proud. I want them to approve of me, especially right. my father, yeah. who is always like, um, you must do well, you must do well, you know. And, and I was the first person in the family to enter university. So it was a huge deal. And I felt like I have to, I always have to perform. I have to measure up and, right. and, but I don't know, like something in that moment just snapped and I, I felt like, you know what, I have to do this for myself. And and also, I guess that voice wasn't so loud, but there was this knowing inside me that, you know what, my parents, end of the day, they will be happy if I'm happy. Right, right. Not, even if they disagree with the choices I make now, right. but eventually if they know that I'm happy, I felt and I, I truly believe it like somewhere in my body, like I knew that they will be happy. So I had to, I had to just take that leap of faith and right. just go. Mm. Right. So the voiceness wasn't necessarily loud in volume, but the message was very clear at that point. Yeah. Yeah. It was, was there, was there a, a specific, I have two questions, but was there a specific tipping point, something that happened that day that said this is it or was it something that was just building up and it would just overflowed mm. if i were to dig for it then perhaps because it was a period of a loud season in the company so i had like no assignments nothing mm. in the office for the past one two months right so it was getting really boring mm. And um, I was I was trying to read, you know, like do some reading, do some studying, not just talking to my colleagues. Right. But it was so it was so hard to be productive. Like there's really nothing. So, and I don't like to pretend. Like I don't I don't like to pretend that I'm busy. If I'm not busy, I'm not busy. Right. So, <laughs> so it, I mean, I guess that played a part. Like me not wanting to be bored anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Not wanting to be bored. That's a very interesting point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that maybe a lot of people feel that, that way. I know I felt that way, you know. Um, you know, doing what I do, you know, I, I, I can survive, you know, based on what they pay me. I do okay for myself. Um, but yeah, there's definitely been those moments where you feel like, okay, I think that they're taking advantage just because they're throwing money my way and yeah, I, mm. I, I, you know, that boils something inside of me. Um, yeah. So I definitely can, can relate to that. 
So what, what changed at that point? Was this the beginning of your transition or were you still soul searching after you left? I was, I was definitely searching. Yeah. I searched like high and low. I'm not sure if, if I didn't go. Where did you look? (laughs) Huh? Where did you look? Where did you search? So after that, I went to do tour guiding. Okay. I went to, I went, I, became, I was a, a real estate agent for a while. I was like sell, showing people properties. I hated that. So I stopped. Well, so I was doing bookkeeping. I was writing, uh, helping some professors with some uh, written assignments. I was doing a lot of like freelance uh, assignments, gigs. It was very volatile for me, like emotionally, mm. because I had no savings. I felt really, I felt really like drifting and aimlessly. Mm. But yet I, I, I always ask myself, you know, on nights when I cry to sleep, like, mm. oh no, I'm down to my last hundred dollars in the bank. Right. And, and do I want to go back to the... Do I want to go back to the to, to engineering? Do I want to go back to the office kind of work? Right. And it's always a very loud no. Hmm. And I kept thinking, okay, you know, the worst scenario, scenario, I'll just go and be a barista at Starbucks or something. Right. So that got, got me by for a while. How is your family uh, treating you or dealing with you or supporting you during that time or not supporting you during that time yeah not supportive um at one point i was supposed to start a business with a friend and then i told my parents about it um i asked them for their blessings so that you know life will be easier for me yeah but then like two months in my my dad started asking me so how uh, any results not any results Mm. and i'm like oh my god we are still at researching and all that groundwork phase right i mean eventually the business didn't we didn't even get it off the ground Mm. but there there are so much like foundation stuff that we need to do and and i don't know I, i i guess i didn't know how to explain it to my parents at that time like you know we need to do all these things we are not going to see results so soon right so it was um yeah, it was a very difficult period also to communicate with my parents. Right. Did you feel mm. like they built you up or you felt that they were breaking you down with their words? Breaking me down. I also felt maybe that it wasn't their intention to break me down. They were genuinely co- concerned right. uh, because I didn't live with them. So they, like we hardly talk outside of like when I'm going, when I'm back there. So, yeah, I, I guess it's genuine concern. Right. But to me at that time, my ego was like, no, I must prove everybody wrong. So, so I was very right. defensive. Mm. Right. What was, the cha- what was the turning point? What was the tipping point in all of this? When did the transition begin? So after that, I went, I went into... I went to join my, my husband's uh, company that he started with his friend. It's a photography business. And eventually I took over his side of the business and became one of the directors. And I was like running it for eight years. And even during that period, it was still gnawing away at me. But it was nice to hide behind a title of a, like a director of a company. So, so 
um, it was like just again cruising back into comfort zone. Right. What really changed for me was after I gave birth to my son, mm-hmm. and then uh, I had some, I had postnatal depression, I had uh, recurring pain in my body, and I had mm-hmm. no choice but to seek help. Right. And through that process of you know getting help, I got in touch with alternative therapy. I got in touch with cranial sacral, and I, and I saw and experienced firsthand how it changed my life, like how it shifted my mindset. It changed right. my the way I feel in my body, physically, emotionally, mentally. So, um, so a few years ago, I just gave up that company. Um, yeah, the the photography business and just dove dove into this healing business for like 100% full time. Right. Mm. How was the training? Uh, was it extensive? Um, we have, so each module is about four days. So there were seven, several modules to take. It depends on how far we want to go. For me, I want to, um, I want to specialize in more emotional releases. So I, I went beyond the, the first two cranial sacral modules which were mostly like physical releases yeah so then um so with emotional releases there were different layers and i also had trainings in other modalities like uh, emotional freedom techniques so so i kind of combine what i have and then yeah use it during my sessions right right with with your experience with alternative medicines how did that create a shift within you from your old self to your new self? Because of the depression, I have experienced like talk therapies before. And talk therapies are good. They, they, they really help me like get calmer. Yet there's always something lacking. Like there's always something missing. Um, I might feel good for a while and then, and then I'm back to maybe not 100% depressed, like maybe 70% depressed. And so I was, um, at the same time, I was exploring uh, physiotherapy for my recurring back pain. And that was when the lady recommended me to try craniosacral. Hmm. So, um, yeah, as I went into craniosacral and then during the sessions, like, I started crying, which is odd because it's just hmm. hands on my body. There was, there was no like dialogue. Uh, eventually there were dialogue but then you know at the start of the session they were like okay why why am I crying just because someone's touching me that's so odd and I have had sessions where you know during massage like some special massage um, therapy sessions where I also started crying so I never knew why and as I as I asked and I talked to those therapists I realized that actually our body stores emotional traumas um, traumas from our past so i have had like um uh, an incident in my childhood where an adult beat me i was three so it was a very bad experience where i was i was bleeding oh wow and yeah and so that that image actually came into my mind i I forgot about it 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 came into my mind during one of the sessions Mm. so um and then we started the dialoguing started like, okay, so what was that about? And why right. do you feel this tension? And, you know, I was bitten on my back. So I was feeling like tingling all the way through my back. 
So that was that was kind of the I don't know that moment where I felt oh okay so there's a there's a connection between the mind and the body and then there's all this like trauma that we suffered years ago that is still there in the body. Right. And yeah, and I just felt very relieved after it was released. Right. Yeah, and through through the process of like taking the classes and working with my classmates, I felt it was very 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 meaningful to see the shift in them. Just it could be a, like a four days class, but how they are on the first day and and at the end of it is just very different. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it blew my mind the whole yeah. the whole experience. Yeah, modules when they're short like that, they tend to be very packed and very intense. You start yeah. early, you finish late, and it's day after day after day. After, but they're they're transformative. That's that's the whole basis behind retreats. You know. Yeah. yeah. They're short, but they're impactful. And so you mm-hmm. did about seven of those. I'm curious when you were in your upbringing, in your childhood, would you describe your parents as being affectionate with you? Were they very embracing and hands on? Um, I would say they are more effective than embracing. <laughs> right. So, so my dad's like the typical Asian man who doesn't speak much. Like he works hard, he provides for the family materially, uh, right. emotionally, cognitively. I know that he loves us, right? But I guess, like you know, if I touch my heart, I cannot really feel it. Right. Okay. And um, yeah, and my mom is quite similar. Like she, 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 in my memory, she has never played with us. Right. She, but she was always there, like cooking for us, cleaning up after us. So, right. Which is why I say effective. Yeah. Right. So in this mm-hmm. uh, craniosacral uh, therapy session you had, when this person put hands on you, you felt physical touch, and you felt this loving energy through physical touch and that seemed to release Mm-mm. a lot of what was mm-hmm. being held back would you say that that's what yeah. was some would you say that that's what you felt you were looking for for so long hmm no i, I wasn't looking for oh maybe 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 because i wasn't hugged as a child right so in a way, because that lady was a very motherly figure, she's like in her 70s, so she definitely exudes like a more motherly vibe. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, now that you're asking me, I feel like maybe it could be that my body is craving for a more maternal touch and, and mm. that was what unlocked like all that pent up trauma in my body. Yeah. Right. So after you had gone through that experience, you, you told me before that, this is where you started to obtain clarity as to what your work, the work that you wanted to do. Would you describe mm-hmm. it as you discovered your purpose? I felt like before I was always looking for my calling. And I always heard people talking about their calling. Right. And I never could understand what a calling is and for this this work that I do now I really feel like it's it's a calling yeah I felt it was it really literally like call me into it and each step along the way door starts to open for me because I have no healthcare background I, I wasn't trained as a medical doctor not even as a nurse or a paramedic I had no background except for secondary school um, A-levels biology right and and 
And so I was apprehensive about going into this because it's like a brand new thing for me. I had no experience. I know nobody in the industry. Every, it, it was literally like I study, I'm studying from scratch. What is craniosacral therapy? Mm, so it's a light touch manual therapy where I'll put my hands gently on the body. And what I'm sensing or looking for is the quality of the craniosacral system, which I'm going to explain a bit. Yes, please. And um, how, how smooth, how balanced it is. And so the craniosacral system refers to cranial, which is our head, and sacral, which is our tailbone. So this is actually physically our, like, the, the nervous system, right? The physical part of it. And so I'm actually sensing the flow of the cerebral spinal fluid mm. from our brain to the tailbone and then from the tailbone back to the brain. Mm. And it should feel um, balanced. It should feel symmetrical on the left and the right side. Right. So then if I were to find a restriction, like a, a kind of like, um, say if the left side is moving slower than the right, then, right. then I will seek out where that restriction is in the body and I'll just, you know, gently put my hands there and guide the body to heal that spot. To put right. it in a very layman term, yeah. Right, right. Who seeks out craniosacral therapy or who would it benefit most? Mm. I see mostly people with chronic diseases. Um, a lot of them are at like their wit's end because they have tried um, they have tried like mainstream medicine, they have tried TCM, maybe they have tried like all kinds of therapy. And it's always until someone like tell them about, oh, have you tried this craniosacral? And then that's when they come. So but actually for the normal people, you know, even if we don't have like major diseases, it's very, very good to relieve stress like it's very good to relax the whole nervous system and it can actually act as a boost in the nervous system in the sense that because it, it helps us go into this very deep relaxation state uh, which, which we call the parasympathetic state yeah. so it helps us relax so deeply that it can you know just boost our natural healing abilities so I often you know tell my friends like hey don't wait till you have really bad diseases, then you come and try this. You know, why don't right. you just come as part of your maintenance? Um, it's just like, it's just like massage, but like the touch. Right, right. Yeah. So now that you have this experience doing craniosacral therapy with people, mm -hmm. how would you, how would you compare, how would you describe your old self versus your, your new current self? Well, old self, I would describe as lost, aimless, a headless chicken, um, a people pleaser. I have no idea what I stand for, what I care about. Um, yeah, and, and I was just like really drifting through life. Mm. And now I feel more, I feel empowered. I feel purposeful. I wake up every day excited to start the day. Um, and I feel like I feel like my life is gonna mean something now, right? And then it gives me so much like pleasure and um, just it just 
I feel so nourished by having this purpose in my life outside right, of just right. my family. And I feel like if I can, if I die tomorrow, I will have no regrets because right. I have, you know, really taken a chance on myself. Right. Yeah. Has this changed the way you show up as, uh, as a wife, as a mother? As a wife, definitely, I feel like it's different. Um, in the past, I... I was always like not daring to speak up, not daring to express myself with my husband. So I tend to go like more passive aggressive around him. So we, we will have like, we were bigger, we will have like little fights about things or I get defensive when he, he brings up certain things that maybe he wants me to take notice of. It's small matters, but then I'll just flare up. Okay. And now... Um, I don't know. Now I learned to be more assertive. It's if he brings up something, I'll be like, okay, let's talk about it. I mean, there were days, of course, where I feel defensive again, like old habits come in. I get like, uh, why are you like criticizing me? But I would say overall, the way we communicate has changed. And because of that, I'm sure it has um, impacted my son like differently as well. Should, should I remain the same, then it will be a very different experience for him as a child. Right, right. Yeah. What are your next steps? What's the big goal? I have two missions in mind. Number one, on a therapy business level, is to help women, especially mothers, release their trauma so that they can stop playing small and lead the life they deserve. Mm. And number two is to help fellow practitioners and healers grow their business in a safe and supportive environment um, and community. Like I really want to develop this community where we can all thrive and help each other lift our practices up. So these two things are what I set my sights on. And this year, I am going to focus on building that community of healers and practitioners and to support them in growing their business. Yeah. Nice. So a couple of my questions that I love to ask people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what would you attempt to do if you knew you could not fail? World peace. <laughs> <laughs> no. um, it's not a bad well, thing, given the, given the things that are going oh, right. on right now. Not a bad yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm, well, I talk about that community of for the practitioners, right? I would really love to build, like, uh, like, like a re- retreat center, like a wellness retreat center where I will house all these practitioners and um, it will be exclusive. It will be like a clubhouse for clients to come in to try different alternative health therapies and for, you know, like therapists to, to be exposed to these clients. So kind of like a bridge between clients and practitioners and just housing them and be like that safe harbor for both mm. sides. Right. That would be like, oh, my dream come true. Right. <laughs> if you could go back to speak to yourself as a child, what would you tell yourself? Learn to love yourself. I feel like, um, I feel like it's, uh, it needs to be learned if, if I cannot, learn from models then I have to do it for myself instead of waiting for someone to show me yeah for the person that's watching this 
video or listening to this audio mm -hmm. that can relate to your story where mm -hmm. they had parents that are effective, firm, but not affectionate for the person mm -hmm. who feels that they followed the quote unquote right path, mm -hmm. getting formal education, getting a secure job, but still feeling empty, unfulfilled, or that they're not in the right place. For the person watching this that can relate to that, what mm. do you say to them to help them to transition into something that feels more complete or correct for them? Mm. I want to say that life is short and think about it when you are on your deathbed. Will you regret not trying, not attempting, not giving yourself a chance? Even if you fail, you know that you have tried. And so give yourself some space to be quiet and just go inwards. And maybe that voice will come out for you and then listen and take action. All the best. Yeah. How do we find you? How do we follow you, get in contact with you to see the work that you're doing? I have a website, therapybysharon.com. You can find me or contact me through the form there. Or uh, I have a Facebook page, Therapy by Sharon, and you can also follow me there. Very good. Sharon, it was so nice speaking with you. Um, as I mentioned to you the last time that we spoke, it's amazing to me that I'm in New York and you're in Singapore. I had to ask my Echo Dot how far that was. So it's about over 9,000 miles away. You know, and wow, I, yeah, that's amazing to me. Like we had never known each other. You didn't know I existed. I didn't know you existed. And somehow we just had this brief talk and we had to hold back a little bit because the energy was there. It's like, okay, I want to explain more. And the dialogue was really getting us. Okay, we got to stop talking right now. We got to record <laughs> this so we can get some genuine emotion yeah. behind the, the conversation. But I think it's amazing that we were able to connect. Um, Thank you so much for being on. I think that it was, uh, it, it's a blessing for me to have met you. And I know that your story is going to resonate with people who are watching this. And I really appreciate the message that you shared. You're definitely a survivor and you are so strong and I admire that in you. And I hope that one day, because now I want to visit Singapore because we talked about <laughs> Singapore before. So now I want to visit Singapore. So I hope one day we do get to meet in person and uh, maybe you'll, Give me a little cranial sacral therapy and you can point me to your best restaurants or your best food places because sure. I, I love to eat, you know? <laughs> Thank you so much for All having right, me. Thank you so much and I, I'm sure we're going to be in touch soon again and we're going to stay in contact. For sure. Welcome All to right. Singapore. <laughs> much love. <laughs> Bye. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Sharon Tan. As you can see, life's transition points can show up in the most unexpected moments. In Sharon's story, it happened when she received a healing touch in her first craniosacral therapy session. As you go through your life's path, you'll find that one of the most challenging things you can go through is feeling family pull you in one direction when your heart wants to go in another. Oftentimes, you'll be given advice based in fear disguised as practicality, or people will tell you that you can't do something because they can't do it themselves. And to that, I'll leave you with some words by Dr. Seuss. Be who you are and say what you feel because those that mind don't matter and those that matter don't mind. So what struggles have you gone through in your path to discovering your truth? Share your story in the comments below. 
And remember, you don't have to do it alone. I'm here to support you every step of the way. You can always visit me at coachmarcob.com and click on one of my coaching packages and we can work one-on-one to help you obtain clarity, authenticity, and entrepreneurship in something that is meaningful and true to you. Remember, you can fail at something you don't want, so you might as well take a chance at something you love. Let the world see you in all of your awesomeness, and I'll see you in the next podcast.